This is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do share that conviction that your word endures forever. So God, as your people gathered together on this Lord's day, we would pray that you would speak to us, Lord, through your holy word, and that your word would find fertile soil in each and every one of our hearts. God, we would pray and ask that you would cause your word to produce abundant fruit in our lives. God, that you would, through this sacred text, speak a word into each and every one of our lives today. Lord, we pray that you would grow our minds and grow our hearts and grow our love for you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take these words written on this page and that you would Use them to help us to grow and conform into the image of Christ. Lord, none of us as followers of Jesus are content here this morning. We want to become more and more like Jesus, and we know that that is your intended purpose for us. So again, we just invite you, Lord, would you speak to your people, and would you give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say today? And would you give us a capacity to obey, and to honor you with our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Please be seated. We come now to the story of our Lord Jesus healing a man of a dreadful disease. Truly, it is hard for any one of us here in the modern West to grasp the misery experienced by the poor, unfortunate man that we've just read about here at the end of Mark chapter 1. I would submit to you that there was hardly anyone in Israel at this time who had a harder lot in life than a leper, a person who had this particular disease. Their existence was one of just ongoing suffering, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Why is that the case? Well, in the first place, because leprosy was a disease. And so for somebody who had leprosy, they were suffering physically from a serious disease. It would impact their bodies. Now, when the Bible talks about leprosy, and it does in the Old Testament and here again in the New Testament, the Bible is referring to a range of skin diseases that, that vary in their intensity 
But the most painful and destructive of all forms of leprosy was what today we call Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease is a skin disease that causes spots on your skin or lesions on your skin. It can cause you to lose your eyebrows. It can cause your hair to be discolored. Oftentimes the lesions on your skin will just remain as these open sores that can never actually heal up. And so of course that would make the person who has leprosy just prone to getting more and more infections and more and more sickness which could be fatal. But leprosy affects not just a person's skin, it actually affects their nerves as well. It can create muscle weakness or even the crippling of the hands and the feet. A person's fingers and their toes can become shortened. And the nerve endings in a person's fingers and toes can actually lose their sensation so that you no longer feel things that you touch, which would make lepers often prone to burning themselves or injuring themselves on their hands and their feet. Oftentimes, leprosy affects a person's eyes as well. It can lead to blindness. A leper then was a person who oftentimes was experiencing intense physical anguish. And so it should be no surprise to us then to find this man called a leper in Mark chapter 1 in search of healing. But what we find in this text this morning is that this man is actually in search of something deeper than just physical healing. The title of this morning's sermon is A Thorough healing. Guys, it should not be lost on us that when this leper approaches our Lord Jesus and he asks him a question, he does not ask Jesus if Jesus will heal him or if Jesus will make him well. What does he specifically ask Jesus? Look again at verse 40. And a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Again, as opposed to you can make me well or you can heal me of this physical affliction. Now, it is clear that in what he's asking Jesus, he's looking for physical healing because Jesus removes the leprosy as the story goes on. But his choice of this word clean indicates to us that he had an even more pressing need in his life that he was hoping Jesus could meet than simply experiencing physically healing. Evidently, the suffering of his body was only the beginning of the misery that this poor man was experiencing. To understand what exactly he's asking Jesus to do for him, we have to know something of the Old Testament and its ceremonial laws. If you go back to the book of Leviticus and you go to chapter 13, you're gonna find an entire chapter devoted to discovering whether or not a person was leprous. The priests had the function in Israel, in Israel at this time of kind of being like medical officers and they would inspect somebody who had spots or lesions or different things on their skin and it was their job to determine whether or not a person in fact had leprosy. And if they did, the announcement from the priest was this individual is unclean. They're unclean. And to understand what that would mean for him, I want to read for you from Leviticus chapter 13. Here's verses 45 and 46. It says, The leprous person who has the disease 
shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. A leper was unclean in the nation of Israel. A leper was dirty and contaminated. A leper was considered a dangerous person to be around because guess what? If he touched you or you touched him, his uncleanness would be transmitted to you. Suddenly you yourself would be unclean. This is why he was forced to live alone, outside of the camp, away from other people, away from his family, away from his friends. He was not allowed to come in contact with other people. Because of this, he would not have been allowed to enter into the temple and experience the spiritual life of Israel and offer the sacrifices and sing the songs and pray the prayers. He was forced outside of the camp. He was cut off from the social and the spiritual life of the nation. Now, many of us remember being in elementary school and playing a game called cooties on the playground, right? So if, if young Joey had cooties, then all the girls would say, ew, Joey has cooties, and they wouldn't touch him and run away from him and flee from Joey because, of course, the thought was, if Joey touches you or you touch Joey, then you get cooties. And so everybody would run from Joey and everybody would hide from Joey. And if you were ever Joey or another kid with cooties, you probably felt a degree of shame and embarrassment. Right? It's an awful feeling to know that other people are trying to run away from you. That other people are trying to avoid you. That other people want to keep their distance from you. And even worse, that other people actually think that if they do come in contact with you, then somehow your cooties are going to rub off on them. That you're so toxic that you are actually going to contaminate them. I bring this up because I know that some of us in this room this morning have felt that way at other points in our lives as well. It's not just playing cooties on the playground. Some of us in this room have done things in our lives that have made you feel dirty on the inside. You've got moral stains and blemishes and they bring shame and embarrassment to you. And maybe other people have contributed to that shame and that sense of embarrassment. Maybe other people have actually treated you like you're somehow a danger. Like to be around you might somehow spoil them. It might tarnish their reputation. And so they want to just keep you at arm's bay. You can't come into their circle. They want nothing to do with you. Well, friends, for anybody who has ever felt that way, or maybe for anyone who's feeling that way this morning, our passage of scripture has so much to say. But maybe you can't relate to that. Maybe you have never, ever endured a day of your life where you felt like a social outcast. People have always loved you. They've always welcomed you. You've never done anything in your life that has destroyed your capacity to feel accepted. You still need to know that according to the Bible, every single one of us have become tainted through our sin. Our sin has made us unclean and unfit to actually be in the presence of a whole, holy and pure and righteous God. 
Even the best among us, the one who has sinned the least, and I would love to know who that person is, but even that person has this label over their life, unclean. I mean, listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Here's Isaiah 64, verse six. He says, we have all, so you can look at your neighbor and say, this applies to you too. We have all become like one who is what? Here's that same word. Like one who is unclean. And all of our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. The prophet's saying, listen, even your righteous deeds aren't going to undo this label that you have of unclean because just a single sin in your life actually spoils you and makes you unclean. He says, we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities or our sin, like the wind, take us away. And so the story of this leper here in Mark chapter one has much to say to all of us, no matter who you are this morning, whether you're the morally repugnant or you're the morally acceptable. Therefore, friends, let's consider once again the plight of this man. He's a leper. He is cut off socially and spiritually in the nation of Israel. He's been rejected. He's been cast out onto the fringes. His life is marked by shame, embarrassment, derision, and isolation. And here's the catch. The only way for him to ever become clean again and have all of those horrible things reversed would be for his leprosy to go away. And so this man knows that what he is in need of in his life for things to ever get better again is a miracle. What this man needs is he needs Jesus. And so this day, when this leper comes face to face with Jesus of Nazareth, becomes the very best day of his life. Because in the first place, Jesus does restore his health. Look again at verse 40. Let's read the scriptures. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now, this scene is remarkable for a number of reasons. The first is just because of the incredibly bold faith of this leper. I mean, what was this guy thinking? You need to know that by the time of Jesus' day, the rabbis in Israel had developed some very strict protocol about exactly how close a leper could get to other people. And they even had different distances for if it was a windy day or a non-windy day. If it's windy, lepers really, really got to be far away from people. And anytime a leper came close to sort of crossing that line and encroaching on a person's personal space, remember that text in Leviticus, they would have to cover their lip and they would have to yell, unclean, unclean. They have to announce it. I am unclean. Stay away. I'm a danger to all of you. I'm toxic, toxic and contaminated. Again, you can probably empathize and imagine the shame and the embarrassment of this man. It kind of reminded me of the main character in the Scarlet Letter. She committed adultery or 
sex outside of marriage one way or the other and she gets pregnant and her town makes her way, wear this scarlet A on her for the rest of her life. Everywhere she would walk, it's just an announcement. I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I've done something wrong, I'm morally repugnant and everybody would go, oh, look at her. Don't get near her. And this is the life of this leper day in and day out. I'm just an unclean person. Nobody can be around me. He was marked with stigma, marked with shame. And yet look what he does here. He comes all up into Jesus's personal space. He's so close, he actually kneels right before Jesus. He's within Jesus's reach because Jesus is gonna touch him in a moment. So he just blows all of those rules, all of those regulations off and he just runs to Jesus and he falls before him and he begs him to make him clean. This is brazen. This was risky. This could have had all sorts of severe consequences for this leper. And certainly this man would have never done this to just any ordinary Jew, but with Jesus, he's willing to take the risk. And so one must wonder, what did this guy hear about Jesus that would embolden him to break all of the, the laws and all of the customs in Israel and just come all up close to Jesus. Well, I would suggest to you that what he had heard about Jesus was this, that this Jesus of Nazareth has both the heart and the power to heal people of all sorts of diseases and all sorts of afflictions. Now, where am I getting that from? Well, it was not long before this episode that Jesus is ministering in the city of Capernaum. And here's what we read about the end of his ministry in Capernaum. This is Mark 1, 32 through 34. It says, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with what? With various diseases. And he cast out many demons. This leper had heard the news. Here was Jesus standing at the door of Simon and Andrew's house and the whole city's coming and people with all kinds of diseases, perhaps even other lepers are coming to Jesus and Jesus is not repulsed by them. Instead, Jesus is filled with compassion and he's just touching and healing person after person after person. And so here's this leper who hears this about Jesus and he just reasons to himself. Maybe, just maybe, if, if I can come and I just cast myself on the mercy of this man, Jesus, maybe he'll heal me as well. And so he comes to Jesus with the measure of faith he has. And we don't know how much faith this man had. This could have been like one of those Hail Mary prayers that a, per a person throws up. God, I don't even know if you're there. But if you are kind of prayer. Whatever measure of faith he has, that's what he comes with. And he comes to Jesus. And, and the beautiful thing about faith is it's not about the amount of our faith. It's about the object of our faith. And so he puts his faith in the right person. And he comes to Jesus of Nazareth. And he says to Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. This is a bold, audacious faith but it's also a very humble faith. Do you see his humility in what he says? He says, if you will. Family, he doesn't make any demands on Jesus. He doesn't say to Jesus, oh, you're the miracle working guy. You owe this to me too. I'm deserving. You should heal me. No, he looks at it like this. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. 
But I do believe that if you would choose to, you can make me well. There are plenty of people who are too proud to receive anything from God. They live their life with a chip on their shoulder as it relates to God. They say things like this, well, if God wanted me to follow him, then he shouldn't have ever let that happen in my life. He had no right to let that happen in my life. Or they'll say, God, you cannot let this happen to me. They, they make demands on God. They think they're the one that's ultimately in control. And this man rightly believed that Jesus is the one who gets to choose to do whatever he wants to do. After all, he's the Lord. He's the one with the power and the prerogative. And so he comes with a humility before Jesus. And he says, listen, if you're willing, if you choose to, you can actually make me clean. And this man's faith and his humility struck a chord with our Lord because in verse 41, what do we read? That Jesus is moved with what? He's moved with pity. Some of your translations say compassion. Jesus is moved with compassion. And now we see the second remarkable thing about this scene. Yeah, it's true this leper had bold faith, but, but look now at Jesus' compassionate response. You can imagine how anybody else would have responded and reacted to the actions of this man. Any other Jew who's walking through this town on this day, if a leper had run up to them and got close to them, probably would have said, whoa, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Get away from me. You're gonna make me unclean as well. The crowd would have dispersed. People would have fled in every single direction. Who knows, maybe others around Jesus did draw back when this leper runs up and falls on his knees. But not Jesus. Jesus is not afraid of this man. Jesus is not put off by this man. And Jesus feels compassion for this man. Jesus looks at this guy who's wearing tattered clothes because he had to whose hair is unkept because it has to be, who's likely covered in sores everywhere. Maybe his hands and feet are deformed and crippled. He's got lacerations and injuries probably on his body. And Jesus looks at him and instead of going, oh, you're disgusting, get away from me. He looks at him and his heart's just broken. He feels pity, he feels compassion for this man. And Rather than being repulsed by him, which was this man's constant experience from every other human in his life, even his family, rather than being repulsed by him, Jesus openly receives him. He actually reaches out and he touches him with his hand. I mean, think about how significant that is. This was likely the first human contact this man had had in years, perhaps even decades. Nobody would touch him. And we all know how important physical touch is for us. And here's this man who's just been deprived of that for years and years and years on end. Nobody would touch him. And here is our compassionate Savior, Jesus, who sees this man and understands the depth of his suffering and the plight that he's been in. And his first move here is he just reaches out and touches this guy. I mean, how dignifying hey, I still see you, you're still a person. You still matter, you're still worthy of love and affection and concern. And he touches this poor, suffering man. Now there are no exact parallels in our culture 
to a person who was unclean in ancient Israel. But that does not mean that there aren't people that we either overtly or subtly treat as unclean. That we overtly or subtly treat as less than human. That we consider, even though we might not say it this way, that we consider to be dirty and contaminated and a danger to us and to our reputation and to our sensibilities. For some, it's the poor or the homeless. For others, it's drug addicts or drunkards. For others, it's criminals. For others, it's immigrants. For others, it's the sexually immoral. For others, it's the gender confused. For others, it's people of that religion or that belief system over there. I don't want anything to do with those kinds of people. They're going to taint my reputation. They're going to disrupt my moral morality. Friends, as Christians, we all know that we are meant to share the heart of Christ. And the heart of Christ moves toward, rather than away from, moves toward any and all people who want help and healing. And so we have to ask ourselves, how well are we responding to people who express a desire to be made well? And I was thinking about us as a church context. Here we are gathered on a Sunday morning and there's a lot of different people in here and we all come from different backgrounds and experiences. And every Sunday, new visitors walk through the doors of this church. And so the question becomes, could it be said of us, Apostles Church, that anyone and everyone who enters into this place looking to be made well is received by us and not rebuffed by us? Is that what people feel when they come to Apostles Church, looking to be made well? Do they feel valued? Do they feel like they're a human with, again, value and dignity and worth? Is that what we're conveying and communicating through our words and our actions and even our physical touch? Jesus, our Savior, had a heart that is moved with pity, moved with compassion toward the untouchable of his day. And as he reaches out and touches this man, he says these words, he says to this man, I will be clean. I will be clean. So again, here's the interaction. The man falls on the ground in front of Jesus. He's on his knees. He's looking up at the Lord and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out and he touches this man and he looks him probably in the eyes and he says, I will be clean. Now do not overlook the willingness of Jesus that we find in Mark chapter one. It's probably true that Jesus is more willing to heal and restore in our lives than we think he is. He's so willing here. He didn't owe this man anything. But his heart, again, is so turned toward those who are in need that he's moved with pity and compassion. And this is not the only place we see it. We're gonna see this as a constant theme in the life and ministry of Jesus. He's a man moved with compassion. And we learn through Jesus of God's heart of compassion to the the needy and the helpless. And we must never overlook or underestimate the willingness of Jesus to heal and restore in our lives. 
Could be healing from sickness and disease like this man. Could be healing from indwelling sin. Sin that you just seem like you can never ever master and get over. Could be healing of our thoughts and our memories or our marriages and strained relationships or having double-mindedness and sort of a, a wavering and shaky faith. These are all things that we could need healing from. But do we come to the Lord and do we ask him by faith? Do we say to the Lord, Jesus, you can heal me of these things if you're willing and I ask that you would. This leper came to Jesus and he asked, he said, if you're willing and he found out Jesus was more than willing. Jesus touches him and he speaks the word and the result of that was immediate and dramatic. Look at verse 42. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Immediately. I mean, what a sight to see. Think about that. Again, here's this guy and he's just probably covered in these sores. Maybe his hair is discolored. Maybe he's lost his eyebrows. And the moment that Jesus touches him and speaks these words, his skin is clean. The leprosy leaves his body. He's all of a sudden made whole again. All of the spots and the lesions are just gone. They've gone away. All of his sores have closed up. His fingers and his toes were restored in an instant of time. He was miraculously physically healed. There must have been a collective gasp over everybody who was surrounding Jesus in this moment when they saw this man completely transformed before their eyes. So he's physically healed, but he's also made clean. Again, Jesus says to him, I will. He touches him. He's physically healed and he says, be clean. Now stop and think about that. This is not the way that this is supposed to work. This is not the way it had ever worked before in Israel. Again, if a leper was to touch you or you touched a leper, there was physical contact. The uncleanness of the leper transferred over to you and you became unclean. But notice here how the reverse is what happens. Jesus touches the leper, there's physical contact, and Jesus' cleanness is transferred to the leper. And all of a sudden, this man is made clean through the touch and the word of Jesus Christ. This is powerful. I love the words of Pastor Sam Albury when he writes about Jesus and the leper. He says, and I quote, when it comes to Jesus, it turns out the leprosy was the one at risk. Jesus' cleanness is a far more powerful contagion than any dirt we can bring to him. There is always more that's right in Jesus than there is what's wrong in us. More grace in him than offense in us. More forgiveness in him than sin in us. The very worst in us cannot compete with the best in Christ. We can't solely him. He can only purify us. However deep our mess goes, his holiness goes deeper. We will never exhaust it. End quote. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful news for any of us here this morning who have ever felt the weight of our own sinfulness, our own dirtiness, our own uncleanness? For anyone here who's ever experienced shame or embarrassment or rejection, 
over who they are and what they've done. Jesus, the Holy One of God, is powerful enough to obliterate our contamination. He and He alone can cleanse us and make us new. But I wonder if you believe that. Like, like if you really, truly, at the core of your heart, believe that. Because it's one thing for me to tell you that. Jesus can cleanse you at the depth of your being. It's another thing for the scriptures to even tell you that, that this is what Jesus can do for you, but it's a whole nother thing still for you to actually believe that and accept that and act upon that. See, this leper was told about what Jesus could do. Jesus has healed a whole bunch of people. But he himself had to believe that and he had to act upon it in order to experience the blessing of Jesus' touch himself. And the same is true for us. I mean, there are plenty of people in this room that will tell you, Jesus has healed my life. Jesus has forgiven my sin. Jesus has made me a brand new creation. Jesus has changed my thoughts and my actions and my desires. Plenty of us will tell you that. But until you believe that yourself, and until you act upon that and you say, okay, then I am going to throw myself upon the mercy of Jesus and trust Jesus to do that for me, then there is no benefit coming to you from Christ. You have to go to Jesus by faith and you have to say to him, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And the day that you throw yourself at the mercy of Jesus is the day that your cleansing and healing begins. It is the beginning of the end of your sin and your shame. And that's what this leper found out. He's healed. He's cleansed. And yet his story doesn't quite stop there. And the reason for that is because although it's true that he has been physically healed, and although it is true that he is now cleansed, the rest of the community is not yet made aware. And so Jesus is going to not only restore his health, which we've seen, but he's going to actually restore this man's life in the remaining verses. Look at verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. We'll stop there. And what is Jesus doing here? Well, in Leviticus 14, we learn there that if a leper ever had his leprosy go away, what he would need to do is he would need to go to the priest and he would need to be examined. And if the priest determined, yeah, your leprosy is gone now, there was some offerings that would need to be made. There was a ritual that this individual would go through. And at the end of all of that, the priest would declare this person to be clean again. And this person could now be received back into the community of faith. This person would be accepted again. They're no longer unclean. They're no longer ostracized. They're welcomed back into the community of faith. And so Jesus is looking at this leper and he's saying, go and do that. Go to the priest, prove that you've been cleansed and get your life back. Be welcomed back into the community. Become a part of the social and the spiritual life in Israel again. Jesus is concerned not just that this guy's body is made right, but that his entire, his whole life is put back in order and is restored. And what a blessing this was for this man. 
But notice that showing himself to the priest was not the only thing that Jesus commanded him to do. There's one last thing we have to pay attention to. Jesus' charge included this. He said, see that you say nothing to anyone. In other words, go to the priest and prove that you're cleansed, but don't let anybody know what I've done for you here today. But of course, this man goes and does the exact opposite. Here's verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in, a des- out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. R.C. Sproul calls this leper an evangelist in disobedience. And I love that. Jesus says to him, here's what I want you to do. Go get your life back, but don't tell anybody what I've done for you here today. And this incredibly grateful leper gets up off of his knees, says, thank you, Jesus, and runs out and starts telling everybody. Gets his bullhorn out, just starts announcing the news. This guy, Jesus, healed me. He could probably do it for you. He's just spreading the word. And he tells everybody. And we see in this verse the reason why Jesus told him, I don't want you telling people what I've done for you. The reason why was because once word got out about Jesus healing this man of leprosy, he could no longer openly enter a town. Why was that important? Well, back up to verse 38 and what we learned last week. Here's Mark 1:38, And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Last week, we talked about how Jesus' focus in his three-year earthly ministry was on preaching the gospel. Yes, he would heal people, and that's fine. But ultimately, it was about telling people the good news of the kingdom of God and how they themselves might become citizens of God's kingdom. And so Jesus intends, he wants to go from town to town where all the people are so he can preach to as many people as possible. But he knows that if word spreads too quickly about his power to heal, then he's going to be swarmed by people who seek healing rather than seek truth. And he's going to be forced out of the towns. He's going to be forced into desolate places. And that's what happens. Our Lord can no longer enter the towns and preach to the masses of people. And said he's driven out into desolate places. And so the story of the healing of the leper ends with the two main characters effectively trading places. Did you see that? When the story began, it was the leper who was unable to freely enter towns and villages and be among the people. It was the leper who had to live out in a desolate place. But Jesus was freely going from town to town and he was preaching the gospel. Now the story ends with the leper being received back into the community, able to freely enter into the cities and the towns, but Jesus being sent to desolate places. And so our story actually ends for us with this profound picture of the good news of the gospel, the very news that Jesus came to preach. Remember, according to Leviticus 13.46, it was the leper who was forced to live outside of the camp. I just want to reread this verse quickly. It says this, 
He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be, and I highlighted it here because I want you to see this, outside the camp. Now here's the connection. In the book of Hebrews, we're told of how Jesus suffered and he died outside of the city of Jerusalem when he was crucified for our sins. But notice the terminology used in Hebrews chapter 13. Here's verses 12 and 13. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him, where? Outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. Jesus and this leper traded places in Mark chapter 1. And it's a picture of what happened at Calvary where Jesus traded places with every single man, woman, and child who would ever come to him by faith like this leper did in Mark 1. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reminds us that for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Family, at the cross, Jesus traded places with us. He took our place. There was a trade that happened. So that every time that you and I think about the cross, every single time that you and I look at a cross, like the one that's up here in our sanctuary, when we look at that cross and we think about the cross, we ought to be thinking to ourselves, I deserve to be up there. That was my place. I deserve to be the one that's hung on that cross where the wrath of God came down. Every time you and I rehearse the words of Jesus from the cross where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We ought to think to ourselves, that's what I deserve. I deserve to be God forsaken because of my sin that has made me unclean. But at the cross, the great trade took place. At the cross, Jesus took your place and he took all of our sin and our shame and our filth. He took every last drop of our uncleanness upon himself. And when we've reached out and touched him by faith, what we find is that in its place, all of his cleanness is transmitted to us. That's the amazing news of the gospel. There is a place that we can go with all of our uncleanness. We can take all of our filth, We can take all of our dirt, we can take all of our shame to the man upon the cross. And we can say to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And he'll look down at us and he'll say, I will be clean. And for every Christian here this morning, we cannot be reminded of this too often. Because all too often we find that we feel unclean. With every new sin that we commit... There's a certain sense of dirtiness. We feel guilty. We feel ashamed of ourselves. And Satan will make sure of it. He does a great job at reminding us of that. Other people will often make sure of it as well. But the good news that we can all leave here this morning with is that in the gospel, you and I have the resources to carry on. We have the resources to joyfully push forward In the knowledge that there is one who was made to be dirty so that I would be made clean. There was one who was made to be excluded 
so that I might be brought in. And as long as I know that, I have hope and I can carry on for another day. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today for this amazing, amazing passage of scripture. We thank you that in this passage, we see an up close and personal look at the heart of God. In Jesus, we see compassion and pity for those who are in need and know it and come to him seeking a remedy. So God, thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your power to heal us in every sense of that term. And most especially for healing the uncleanness of our souls. Making us spotless, white as snow, perfectly acceptable to God. And we pray now that you would cause us as we go from this church in just a few minutes to live this week in the knowledge and the joy of the fact that all of our sin has been dealt with and we've been made clean through the sacrifice of Christ. And we ask this now in his name, amen.